for watching. And of course, subscribe. And welcome everybody to Haunting Live Podcast this week. We have reached episode number five of season two already. And thank you. I just want to reach out to everybody and say thank you so much for following us here through our first season on 2020 and into 2021 this year. Um, we have a lot of guests booked and lined up well into April. So stay tuned for a whole bunch of great guests coming on to Haunting Live Podcast this season. And also thank you so much for following us on social media, on Facebook, on YouTube, and us course you can find us on the podcast uh, podcast apps as well like itunes spotify and tune in and all those other ones as well but today we have a very special guest on the show um he's joining us from all the way out west um he's well known to be on the aptn network on the tv show the other side he is also known as canada's most dangerous mind please welcome to the show jeff richards hi jeff hey trevor how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for being here. Um, you're coming all the way from out west. I know you live out in Saskatchewan, so thank you so much for taking the time out today to uh, join us here on Haunting Live. No worries. It's my pleasure. Um, so first of all, tell us a little bit about the background of how you got started. I know you're more known for being on the show on APTN, the other side, uh, hosting that show. You're the main person on there. But I know you also have dealt with um, intuitive work and stuff like that. So let's start with the intuitive side of things and sort of how did that develop in your life? Well, you know, it's sort of one of those stories where it sort of fell into my lap um, more so than I pursued it. And in, that, in saying that, it, it's like we always hear about these experiences that people have that are sort of this awakening um, where they understand or maybe start to look closer at what's possible for us to do using things like intuition or, you know, whatever it might be. So for me, I mean, I had always had a love for the, all things paranormal. I mean, ever since I was a little kid, um, you know, ranging from watching shows like Sightings, I don't know if you recall that one, mm -hmm. or In Search Of, uh, In Search Of, narrated by Leonard Nimoy, where they would basically show, it's like a mini-doc series where they'd show a variety of, uh, you know, subjects that are paranormal-based, and they talk about everything from cryptozoology to Satanism to ghosts to, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so I had always been just absolutely enamored with that type of, of program and the idea that things existed sort of beyond the veil that we could see and that we could physically touch. And, you know, on a more dramatic note, uh, 93, because I'm a child of the 90s, the X-Files, you know, that played such a huge role in really fostering my own interest in that. And, you know, all of these things were sort of swirling around in my mind for quite a while. And I had an experience when I was a little kid, when I was when I was just a, a young guy, I had been visited by my grandfather. And he, um, I remember very vividly, I had laid down to sleep my head hit the pillow and next thing i know i heard a creak at the end of my bed i was actually staying at my grandmother's house uh in rural saskatchewan and i heard this creak i look up and there was grandpa and he's standing at the foot of my bed and he just sort of smiled at me he waved and then he turned around and he walked back out of the room and i went i went to sleep and didn't really think anything of it woke up the following day and I had learned that overnight, tragically, my grandfather had passed away. Now, 
as a child, I thought, oh, Grandpa popped in to visit. Like, he physically popped in to see me, um, you know, before he got really sick and then he died. But as an adult, you know, you start to kind of put together the facts and you start to realize that there are a number of circumstances around that visitation that just made it made it impossible. First of all, he was in the hospital and had been for weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks, about 100 kilometers away from where my grandmother's house even was. So he wasn't even physically in the residence at that time. Um, but also my grandfather never did the stairs in, in my grandma and grandpa's house. So I was up on the top floor. He, in all the time that I knew him, never once climbed those stairs. So the fact that I'm up there and he, he appeared to be up there says again that in the physical sense, he couldn't have possibly uh, have been there. So as an adult, I recollected that experience and, you know, in, in my journey to try and sort of determine what it was possible for me to do with my own skill set, that was one of the stories. And then everything sort of came to a head uh, when I was 19. I was involved in a car accident that I... You know, I, I had had a dream about this accident uh, a few days prior, and then there I was involved in the exact same physical incident, and it really sent me into a spiral. Um, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, it was not it was not good. Um, and I to sort of come out of a lot of that uh, trauma that I experienced began to sort of look into, well, why did I have this dream? You know, what was it that I was accessing? that showed me this accident before it even happened. You know, what was I meant to avoid it? Was I, you know, being shown something, was something trying to save me or protect me? What was the the reason for this? And as, you know, anybody that encounters an event that sort of changes their way of thinking or affects them in a strongly negative way, you know, you begin to sort of question all the circumstances around that event and you know that's when things like the visitation from my grandfather came flooding back and other incidents that i had experienced all throughout my life i started to kind of take stock of them and go okay there's obviously something here that i'm working with or that i'm accessing that i'm not fully understanding so my quest at that point was to not only tap into my own intuitive ability through the teaching uh, of some, some great mentors and friends who uh, I've, I've been able to work with over the years, but then also to try to reach out to spirit. You know, it was it possible using these skills or you know these uh, the, these connections, these abilities that I felt as though I was already accessing? Was it possible? to pick up and connect with spirit and i you know discovered that yes yeah absolutely it, it is entirely possible so i mean the pathway i think was long and winding and it was sort of fueled by generally just a love for all things paranormal i already had a vested interest and then as i said these experiences that were occurring all throughout my life led me at that flashpoint of the car accident at 19 that's the point when I started, again, just putting everything together and realized not only do I have a skill set here, but I should be growing this skill set. I should be fine-tuning this. I should be nurturing this. I should be using this in some way that might be you know, useful or, or practical or, or might help someone change and grow, might help myself change and grow, and, and certainly give me a better understanding of the relationships that we have with spirit, the relationship that we have with, you know, 
the other side. So, yeah, it, you know, it, it's a it's an interesting path I think that I've taken. But really, um, I I came from a root of being spiritually connected. You know, I think historically, throughout the the course of my life, I, I'd heard stories of relatives and ancestors and people on both sides of my my family tree who had some perceived ability you know had some ability to connect with something there's a famous story of my great-grandmother on my father's side sort of going into a bit of a a rage at one point so to speak and suddenly the lights in the house began to dim and flicker and then the bulbs all popped in the living room uh lamps and chandeliers and so there's there's these stories of you know some sort of ability so i i think that it was something that was there that i just needed to kind of have that moment that flashpoint moment of the car accident to open the doorway a little bit more and allow for me to investigate it further so you know that that's the cold notes version <laughs> cliff notes cliff notes version of it i guess um yeah so it's uh it's a journey you know still on it yeah definitely it sounds like you had an awakening of some sort at different points in your life. So back when you were a child, um, you heard the creak and that was sort of like an awakening point for you to say, okay, there's something here that I should be paying attention to. But then later on, you had the car accident, which really drew you into it more. Um, after the car accident though, did you know that you wanted to get into it more? Did you know that you wanted to dive into it and find yeah. out more about it? And that, that lit such a fuse and I started I started investigating other incidents historically. Um, you know, there's the story of the Aberfan tragedy in, in, in Europe where a coal slip moved down a hill on uh, a mountainside and crushed an entire village in, uh, in coal and a, a schoolhouse was crushed. So there's numerous stories there of people having dreams about this tragedy before it occurred or people who, who professed to have dreamt of 9-11 before it happened. You know, there are all these moments where it seemed like dreams and intuition were at play. And I started researching those moments and, and trying to kind of connect the dots and to determine well why was it that i was able to see the accident before it occurred for myself you know what what was the the reason behind it and so yeah that that car accident absolutely with that fire and drove me to try and discern a little bit more about this i i, I was i was i was hunting my own my own my own ghost my own mystery at that point so to speak in a way to try and figure out exactly what this was Right, and after you experienced that vision of the car accident, was there any details through that vision that you had of any intuition that came to you um, about it? Was there a chance for you to avoid it, or did was there any chance of you not getting into the accident because of your vision? I remember that there was one. There was a song that played on the radio um, that you know when I when I when I when I think back, uh, if if I had knowing what I know now, like now I understand that it would have been possible for me through dream techniques and lucid dreaming and things to potentially go back into that dream and sort of peruse that dreamscape for clues. Um, but the song that was playing in the, on the radio, you know, I, I, I could have probably glanced at 
the date on my cell phone to determine what date and time the accident was occurring. I mean, there were, there were probably lots of things that I could have done, but at the time that I had it, I mean, I just chalked it up to just another nightmare. You no, know, I didn't. I didn't think of it as an intuitive moment. I just thought of it as, well, this is just a nightmare that I've had, and we've all had them. We've all, you know, seen things or been chased through houses in our dreams or had had negative negative moments. So I didn't think anything of it. It wasn't until the accident actually occurred that I went, okay, something, something was at play here. I, I was, I was being shown something and I should have listened to it. You know, I should have been paying closer attention. And that's when I really started that quest to figure out what was going on intuitively. What was happening? Is it, is it possible that we're showing glimpses of our future every night when we're sleeping and dreaming? And so, yeah, that, that was, uh, that was a big moment. That's another interesting thing that you just brought up that you thought of it as a nightmare. So have you had nightmares throughout your childhood? Is it something that was reoccurring to you all the time or? Yeah, I think everybody has a certain degree of, of nightmares or terror, night terrors, whatever you want to call it. That's healthy. I mean, in part, it's our bodies or our psyche's way of dealing with trauma and stress and anxieties and things of that nature. But, um, you know, this was a bit different in that it, it seemed so vivid and so real. Um, you know, I, I'd had dreams, uh, but none of them, from my recollection up to that point, had had come to fruition in such a a massively critical way. So, yeah, it, it was just one of those one of those things that kind of flashed for me and and lit that fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's good. It's a good way of um, connecting with that intuitiveness and developing that. So um, moving on, though, from that, has there been any, when you're developing that as a child, was it really open to you as a child? Like, were people receptive to you um, diving into that more and opening that more as a person, like when you're develop, developing your intuition? Yeah, I think, that, you know, there are certain aspects of my upbringing that kind of made it a little more difficult um probably it wasn't the most fostering environment but certainly um you know i i did have some support and i also had the wherewithal and the you know the the, the strength as an individual to keep on you know looking into it and investigating as much as i could so you know it, it's it's one of those things where i think if you do have the appropriate support team around you you can dig deeper i talked to literally probably a hundred and 10 different clients every year working on intuitive development with them and I, I find the common story um, in people that are trying to develop and grow intuition is that at some point in their lives they just made the call that it was a fallacy, it wasn't true, it didn't exist and so they, they tucked intuition away because they stopped believing in it and it's like anything else, it's like a muscle if you don't exercise it, it gets weak it goes away, you lose it so the key is that you really have to you know, sort of focus on it grow it and, and strengthen it um, I came to the game a little late you know, 19 years old um, started exercising that intuitive muscle um, but I'm, I'm so happy that I did because it's uh, it's opened up an entirely new world uh to me in a lot of ways and i've been uh, i've been very thankful for as as much as that accident was a negative i'm, I'm thankful in a lot of ways that it happened because it really set the stage for everything that that came after 
Right, and let's uh, jump into that area a little bit now, too. So I know from your past history that we were just talking before we went on air here today that you've been involved in the radio field in the past. You're a radio show host. But from there, obviously, you have jumped into the world of TV as well. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you were discovered and how you made it onto the show with the other side? So it's kind of an interesting story, um, and I, I, loved, I love to tell it because it, it really shows how sometimes the perception of the paranormal is so negative that it can it can blind people. But basically, um, I, I had been given an opportunity to conduct uh, a series of seances and uh, a, a paranormal talk at a museum in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, the Western Development Museum. And uh, basically what had happened is they had publicized that I was going to be there doing this seance and doing this paranormal talk. And certain groups within the community of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan got a little bit, um, they, they, got, they got quite concerned. <laughs> and they started raising their concerns in a vocal way. Um, these were, uh, you know, some religious organizations and, and different, uh, you know, just for, for the sake of keeping things, uh, you know, kind of whatever here i'll just i'll call them special interest groups these these groups started to uh basically contact the museum that this event was supposed to be happening at and threatened to protest threatened to go to local government and have their funding pulled and etc cetera, etc cetera. it really got really got nasty really quick um and the event actually got canceled yeah. well that caused a little bit of you know well i should say a lot of interest to be generated from the media and there were stories that were carried in a number of you know national newspapers about this you know it was all over it made its way into the sort of the free press and i was doing radio interviews tv interviews you know i was featured in news articles about this because this the seance event that was supposed to happen was supposed to be sort of a fun informative halloween inspired event and it got destroyed by this group um which was really sad and uh it, it kicked up a bit of a storm uh the producers of the other side had sort of seen a little bit of that controversy brewing and they reached out to me and said hey we see the work that you're doing we think you'd be a great fit for this program and that's really history <laughs> after that so uh those groups that threatened to protest and got that first event shut down i uh I jokingly say I, I reach out and I send them a Christmas card every year <laughs> because they were they were pretty instrumental in uh, putting a spotlight on the work that I was doing, which was uh, which was nice. Yeah, so basically, you have them to thank for where you are nowadays. So yeah, it's kind of it's funny how fate just sort of works out that way, you know. And, and as I said, it, it was it was really un unfounded fear. Um, you know, they had seen the word seance and and knew we were going to be looking at the, the history of spiritualism and the paranormal and, and sort of taking people through the museum um, to try and do a little bit of a, uh, you know, attempt at communication and maybe gather some evidence and do a little bit of a paranormal investigation. And it, it, it scared some people, you know, they didn't want that and and for all the wrong reasons obviously but there's a sort of this misconception that we were going to open some sort of you know portal <laughs> through which uh evil was gonna was was gonna jump and you know corrupt the entire community um it, it just really r ridiculous things and the, the type of notion that sort of is perpetuated by in some ways hollywood and in some ways you know uh 
just the the machine of entertainment sort of drives this idea that uh, talking to the dead or trying to communicate with spirit is inherently evil and these people um, sort of bought into that and uh, yeah so it's uh, it's it's fortunate that it happened it's unfortunate that those beliefs kind of existed at the time and I think still do today but at the same time it allowed for me to walk through a doorway that in a pretty big way, I think, has helped to educate a lot of people about the paranormal, to show them that it's possible to do investigations in a way that are um, safe and respectful. And, you know, it's, it's not all hocus pocus. It's not all evil and, and Ouija cords and whatever other sort of Hollywood tropes people, you know, put on paranormal investigation and paranormal work. Um, you know, so I've been fortunate because I've been able to sort of demystify a little bit of those misconceptions about what the work truly is. So, yeah, it's it started as a negative, but we flipped it into a positive real quick. And it's uh, it's just all about, you know, showing people what the reality of the situation is. It's not evil. It's it's exploratory and it's necessary. You know, we have to reach out. We have to try and communicate. We have to know we have to find these answers in some way. Yes, totally agree with you 100% on that. Uh, we've experienced that issue ourselves when we go out to do investigations here um, in Ontario as well. So it um, definitely is an issue that still is around. And that is one thing here at Haunting Live podcast we try to do is teach people the difference between what they see on TV or in movies um, is not what real paranormal is all about, um, which is why we do what we do. We do live events, obviously not as much right now during COVID, but um, when we're allowed to, we do have live events and have people out to try to teach them in person and say, hey, look, this is what real paranormal investigating is all about. Um, some people might have a different mindset about that, but we try to show them what it is really about and what they can do with it. So um, on that topic, though, did you find that when you were um, kind of developing your own abilities? Did you run into a lot of people that were kind of like negative about it or were they kind of more open to you doing your stuff? There are always going to be people who cast a negative shadow on things that they don't understand. You know, there, there are always those individuals who are going to uh, put up, throw their arms up and object. And usually it's out of fear. And as I said, a lack of really understanding. Um, the, the occurrences that I faced, you know, whether it was the backlash from the Western Development Museum event, um, even now today, even still, I know you said that it still exists, and I agree, the negative attitude towards it still does exist. I mean, I've had people in communities um, not want for me and my team to investigate because they were afraid that there was going to be some negative recourse and repercussions that occurred. I remember sitting in a, uh, a chair at a salon getting my hair done once getting a haircut and the young lady who was doing it asked me well what do you do and I explained and she goes I don't want to talk about that <laughs> she got very scared very quickly um, so yeah there, there is still a fear there's a fear of the unknown there's a fear of interacting with the paranormal but thankfully you know networks television mainstream television networks have been uh, very uh, open to putting programming like our show and several other programs that um, are on the air out there. And so it's really kind of, I think, in some ways, 
inoculated a lot of the public against that fear. But that fear still exists, and I, I, I faced it when I was growing and developing. I face it today, you know, and I think it's something that we will continue to have to battle into the future. Um, people are always going to kind of push back against something that they don't understand, and if, if fear is the primary motivator, that stops a lot of progress from happening. And you find this, you know, whether you're talking about... Um, you know, people that are objecting to religious practices or, um, you know, preferences that people have or political leanings. You know, there's always going to be those that are afraid. And so they push back and they push back in a way that usually is pretty negative. So we're, we're not immune to that. We're still going to get that. And certainly I faced it throughout my my coming up and growing and learning. Yeah, definitely, for sure. I think it's going to be around for a while, but um, that's one other point I just thought of as well is with your show and with other shows out there, um, a lot of other shows on TV right now have a certain angle to them or a certain vibe to them. They try to promote certain things. Um, they have, I find, a lot of false information, I'll say, on it that isn't true. Um, but with your show, I found you guys are so genuine. You guys are so direct in one way which is the native route that you guys follow and i think that's just wonderful the way that you guys conduct your show on air oh thank you trevor yeah it's true um every show has its own its own spin and its own angle um you know i've i've seen some very good work um and some very good evidence capture come out of some of these other programs as mm -hmm. well um do i always agree with their approach or their theories no not necessarily and i know that sometimes things are done for a way that is uh meant to be taken as more entertainment or more sensational uh, one thing with our program you know we've always tried to kind of steer the ship as as directly as we can as far as integrity and as far as genuinely representing what takes place so if there's an event that happens and we capture it we reflect that, but we never embellish anything that happened. There's no editing. There's no camera, you know, trickery. There's none of that. It's all very raw. It's very genuine, um, very authentic. We're very authentic in our own beliefs, you know, myself and uh, Aaron, uh, Good Pipe, um, and uh, our, our elder Tom, as well as all the production team, you know, many of which have been with us since the very beginning. We all are very firm in our beliefs, and we all understand that we're dealing with spirit, and it needs to be done in a very respectful, um, genuine, honest sort of way, where other programs don't necessarily, you know, carry that same attitude. So I, I think that's one of the things that has really set us apart. You know, we are not afraid to put an episode on television where nothing happens, where there's no ghost, you know, where we don't find anything. Because the reality of the situation is, you know, we don't always find something. We don't always get evidence. We don't always make contact. It's hard. It's, it's difficult to make contact sometimes. And there have been incidents where we haven't found anything. And we're not afraid to air that. We're not afraid to show that. It adds you know, to our authenticity. You know, we want to represent it faithfully and honestly. And to do so, you have to show those moments. And so, yeah, it, it's uh, I'm, I'm always overjoyed at the fact that people really connect with the fact that we are such a genuine article, that the program is rooted in this indigenous spirituality that is so vital to our country and to, you know, our, our global uh, you know, 
populace like there are first peoples on every continent and we have to really honor the traditions of those individuals and the teachings uh, the knowledge that has been gained from people who are so so interconnected to the earth and to nature and to the spirit realm you know so we uh, we reflect that indigenous heartbeat it's there beating very strongly in every every episode and i'm so so very proud of that and i think it adds huge to the authenticity of our program tom charles our elder on the other side is the genuine article he's one of the most uh, grounded and um real people <laughs> that I've, I've ever had the pleasure of working with in my life and you know at the end of the day we're all human beings we all have stories we all have experiences and knowledge and that's really what you see represented on the show yes definitely and I was going to mention that about uh, your other colleagues on the show I just want to reach out to them as well and say um, a big thank you for them to be on the show um, I'm a big fan of you guys I've been watching you guys for quite a while and um yourself jeff and tom and aaron you guys are just amazing on the show and you represent uh, the native uh, community really well and you uh, definitely carry on the practices of the native uh, community and the practices that you guys do on the show so that's really amazing it's it's a it's an absolute honor to be a part of it and uh to hear you know you say that I'll, I'll pass that on. Hopefully they hear it when they <laughs> listen um, as well, but uh, I will, uh, I'll let them know. Yeah, well, that'd be an honor too as well if uh, Tom and Aaron want to have a listen to this episode, uh, definitely pass it on to them. That'd be great. Um, but let's continue on with your part of the show that you guys deal with. I know you've been to many different um, seasons already. You're finished filming season six, you were saying, and you're also filmed season seven, which isn't out yet. But um through your past episodes, there is one topic I would like to touch on just quickly. Um, there was an encounter that you had, and um, it was a bit more on the negative side. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, and what was that uh, entity that you think you encountered, and how are you dealing with that still? You know, the the, the, the only... Uh, you know, I, I used to always say that the spirit, like spirit couldn't harm you. There's only the living that could harm you. Um, and I believe that. I wore that faithfully, that, that ideal. Uh, the, the problem is, you know, early in our, our shooting of season one, uh, you know, a number of years ago, we encountered this energy that seemed to uh, be intensely negative. Um, it kind of postured a bit and put itself out there as being some sort of a demonic energy or the devil or you know whatever it is um it definitely tried to convince myself and the other members of the team at that time uh bill Connolly and uh, priscilla wolf you tried to show us and tom charles as well uh its strength and its power and it did so by acting out and it sort of it interfering in investigations and at one point um scratching me i, I got uh, i got physically attacked by this energy in season one it left some fairly you know big marks on my body across my neck and um i remember feeling the the heat and the pain of whatever it was that was affecting me physically and then when the lights came up and the cameras stopped rolling i remember everybody that was present all the crew sort of just looking at me like is 
this for real? Like, is he okay? Like, what is what is what is happening here? And it really started to kind of change their perception and changed my perception. You know, I wandered out to the street after that first attack happened in season one, and I got physically ill all over the road. I threw up. I was so so scared um, because something that I couldn't see had a physical effect on my body. It, it attacked, it lashed out, it hurt me in a way. And I just about quit the show. I remember after that event happened, myself and Bill Connolly and our director at the time, a uh, fantastic guy by the name of Rob King, uh, he took me and Bill back to our hotel in uh, um, where we were, where we were staying. And he uh, took us for, I think I grabbed a burger from like a fast food place on the way. And then we went back to his room and we drank Irish whiskey and ate cheeseburgers. And then I wandered back to my room and I stayed up all night long. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't stop thinking about what had happened. Couldn't stop looking at the marks. And I, at that point I thought, you know, I'm a new dad. I've got little boys at home. I have to protect my family in some way, and if they can, if this energy can reach out and attack me, there's a chance it can reach out and, and harm my kids. And so, I just about walked away. I remember I didn't sleep all night. I got up, I did a quick steam bath in the sauna at the hotel, and I was done that. And then uh, I I was walking out to the hall to go and tell our director that I was uh, I was quitting, I was quitting the show, and as fate would sort of have it I'm walking to his room and his door popped open it's like he he knew I was coming <laughs> and he said hey come on in here we've got to talk and he just sort of reiterated the fact that you know this was work that needed to be done and we needed to connect with these spirits and it was it was meant to be in some way and that I could do a lot of good by using these skills and, and communicating and so I I went and, and sort of gained some strength and power from that that pep talk that we had. But uh, yeah, it, it it absolutely terrified me at that moment. And that energy has persisted over the course of 150 plus investigations and seven seasons of television. You know, we have been having to deal with this presence and everybody who's worked on the show has seen it we've all felt it um season six it's revealed that uh tom charles our our elder and good friend of mine had um been dealing with some very very negative health issues over the last little while um and you know tom's one of his his you know, questions he asks at the, the finale of season six is, you know, is it possible that this energy has finally found a way to sort of get Tom out of the picture? You know, is it is it possibly the energy, this this entity, this character um, that is making Tom sick? And you know, we don't know. We don't know. We do know that it did. It, it does seem to occasionally target uh, Tom. I do know that we do get negative um, communications happening that do seem to put Tom as a focus. It does seem to sometimes be focused on me. Sometimes it seems to be focused on our guests. It seems to sometimes uh, pose as members of people's family. I mean, there are, there are so many issues 
that have cropped up over the course of seven seasons because of this entity, this energy. Um, you know, if I'm kind of just talking openly here for a moment, uh, you know, I, I, the, our last encounter with this thing was at the APTN studios, October 31st, Halloween. We did a live uh, event where we investigated APTN. We were fully expecting to speak with some of the energies that have seemingly been present in that television studio for the last, you know, several years. Um, but this thing came through and um, lashed out again, and it's lashed out a couple times. It's I've physically felt the effects of it a couple times. Um, so. You know, I, I, I feel that when we are together and we are forming this team and we are actually working on the project, that gives it power. You know, I, th I think that it, I, if, I, if I can just speak for a moment about the, 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 the presence, because I think what it is, is it's not that we have an attachment. It's not that. I have an attachment or Tom has an attachment or Aaron has an attachment or, you know, anything of that nature. But I think that what's happening is I think that the other side as a energy, as a, as a, as an idea, I think the show is haunted. Truly. I, I think that we have, we have something that is attached to our program and to our team. And when our team comes together, it shows up. It's really interesting. I, I I can't fully explain what what it is or what it wants. Um, you know, it's just it's something that we've dealt with. It seems to come in and interact with us during investigations. It seems to try to taint uh, some of our our communication or take over communication sometimes. Um, yeah, it's it's really been a pain, <laughs> but one that we we deal with when when we need to. So it's, uh, it, but it's out there. Whatever it is, is out there. Um, and it tries its best to make its way back to each one of us in, in some fashion. Right. Do you think it's something that has developed over time with you all being together? Like you said, you think of something that's haunting your whole show. Do you think of something that sort of manifested as you guys all had different backgrounds i'm assuming in different areas so um, you're intuitive um tom's the elder so he has a lot of more i guess like background history in the field of what you guys deal with i'm not sure what aaron has as background but i'm sure all you guys have a different background do you think as you do your work together that is fueling things and sort of manifesting things I think that sometimes what occurs is even simply the act of talking about this energy or mentioning it by name um, powers it. I think that, you know, the idea that we are haunted by something is very real. And I, I think that it, it, it does stick around and does seem to come up and draw or try to draw power from our individual backgrounds. It, it tries to cause infighting on the set. Uh, it tries to do a bunch of things to sort of throw us off and, uh, and cause, cause us to not be able to do our job. So, you know, one of the theories that was put out ages ago was that perhaps it is a collector of sorts and that as we are journeying across the country to all these different spaces that are supernaturally charged where there is an energy that does want to reach out and communicate and we make communication happen 
once we've communicated, well, then this energy swoops in and sort of feeds off of that spiritual energy that we've we've called forward. You know, so perhaps this is actually literally a a collector of spiritual energy that sort of tags along as a in a, in a predatory way taking on those energies. I mean, I don't know. These are these are theories. These are things that we've been talking about for a long time as a cast and crew. Um, it does continue today. We do still have it come up. It, it did come up very prevalently in season six, very prevalently in season seven, uh, you know, seven, seven years out. Um, and then we did sort of have a bit of a altercation with it on Halloween during our live broadcast. So, um, it's still very much a part of our, our project, unfortunately. Yeah. Is there any way that you're finding you're able to sort of uh, protect yourself from the energy or have you found a way to sort of deal with it yet? Or is it kind of something that you're going to have to work on more? Uh, well, we, we, we all have our different approaches, I think, as a crew. Um, one of my big things is to not talk about it and use its name. You know, I think that when we use its name, it... it draws power from that so I'm often approached by our producers to talk about it and use its name and I'm always a little apprehensive because I think that kind of energizes it um, you know I have always felt that I have been somewhat protected there are things that I carry with me that are protective uh, that, that guard me that are keeping me safe uh, there are things that Erin does to protect herself certainly things that Tom and Alan are our elder in season seven do to uh, to keep themselves safe but uh yeah we haven't really found the the key to keeping it at bay just yet um we've done battles and we've fought and we've we've approached it in a uh what we see as a strong way but it still it still hangs on so all we can do is try to mitigate its effect you know we can try and uh lessen the consequences of it of it coming forward right and i was just thinking that as well it might be actually something that's keeping you on your toes so to speak something that's there to always make you aware of what the dangers are during paranormal investigations right so it's something there to keep you on your toes there certainly are lessons to be learned from its presence and <laughs> i think that that's a that's a very you know, astute observation that it does keep us on our toes. It does keep us in a place where we are being safeguarded or trying to safeguard ourselves as much as possible. We are on the ready at every turn and in part because of this. Yes, definitely. So uh, in the future, I hope you guys uh, do find a solution to that, but maybe it is something that's there to, like I just said, keep you on your toes or keep you aware of your surroundings during investigations and help you protect yourself in different ways as well. So, um, but thank you just so much uh, for being here today with us on Haunting Live. Just before I do let you go though, are there any things that you would like to promote? Of course, you got your new season seven coming up shortly, uh, but anything else that you're working on that you want to promote before we go? Season 7 is, is going to be hopefully airing in the fall of uh, 2021. Um, there are other projects that I'm involved with with APTN that are going to be airing soon. Um, Travel Channel um, 
you know, we're detour in, in Canada. We have uh, the Alaska Triangle, which is another program that I've been involved in uh, season one, and now I come back for the second season as well. So you're going to see me on TV quite a bit, regardless of the, uh, <laughs> the the COVID pandemic. We found a way to kind of work around um, a lot of the restrictions and things that you know, and do it in a safe manner that allows us to still get these stories told. So there's been a lot of remote things that have been done over the last little while. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, if, if individuals are interested, they can always reach out to me on Facebook, facebook.com slash talk paranormal. Uh, I am always available for intuitive readings and uh, intuitive coaching for individuals who might want to grow and strengthen their intuition and because of the pandemic I actually have rediscovered my love for visual art so what I've started to do is generate uh, intuitive uh, artwork pieces that I do for people that really sort of draw from them during a session a one-hour session I draw from them their sort of sole purpose their um, their their flame that sort of guides and directs them and then I create a beautiful piece of artwork for them to look at and to kind of draw strength from every single day. So there's a lot of projects that I'm working on. I've got a tarot deck that'll be coming out very soon. Uh, tons of stuff. But you know, for the for the meantime, if anybody wants updates, jeffrichards.ca or facebook.com/talkparanormal. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Real Mind Reader. Um, always around. Oh, that's one other question I do want to ask just before we do let you go. Um, how did you get that nickname, uh, Canada's Most Dangerous Mind? That actually came from uh, the National Post did an article on me a few years back, and it was during the whole controversy about the Moose Jaw uh, Western Development Museum seance. Um, the work that I was doing with Spirit, they they said, you know, given that, given the other skill set that Jeff has, he truly is Canada's most dangerous mind. So that was uh, that was given to me by the press a little while ago. Um, I've kept it because a lot of the time the idea of somebody who can perhaps connect with your secrets or know things about you without, you know, knowing things about you, just know things about you intuitively can be looked at as sort of a, a dangerous thing or a, a, a sort of a, a, an odd an odd sort of skill that puts people off sometimes. So dangerous is always supposed to be sort of, uh, you know, tongue in cheek. And it's supposed to be more about the, the, the suspense and the wonder that's created out of the idea that we can communicate without uttering a single word. So that's, uh, sort of the play that we've been using, but that was, that, that, that was given to me by, uh, by a member of the national post quite a few years ago. Okay, wonderful. So um, thank you though so much for coming on to Haunting Life for this episode. We greatly appreciate you taking time out of your schedule and uh, being able to, to uh, join us here and uh, have a quick interview with us here today on Haunting Life. No worries. Happy to do it anytime. Great. Uh, we appreciate that. And uh, with that, thank you very much for being our guest and um, we'll talk to you later on. Thanks so much, Trevor. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. And uh, that was Jeff Richards from the APTN show, The Other Side. And as I just said, I really want to thank him and his staff and the other cast members for allowing him to take time out to be here today with us on Haunting Live Podcast for Episode 5 of Season 2. Um, so just before we do end the podcast here today, we do have a few announcements that we want to make here just for Haunting Live. 
first of all, we announced uh, last night on our website, we do have a sale going on under our merch page. Um, so from today until February the 6th, 2021, all merch products on hauntedlifepodcast.com slash merch will be half off. Uh, go check out the details on the website for our merch sale. Um, also, we have event tickets available for Ghost of the Queens 2021 uh, public event that's going to be happening in April this year, April 16th weekend to the 18th, and uh, tickets for that price are 140 and um, you guys can purchase those directly through our website if you're local and are planning on attending a public event with us. Um, also, don't forget uh, Chris of Haunting Live Podcast. He hosts his free reading nights on Wednesday nights here um, on our Facebook page at 8.30. If you have any questions or you want a free reading, just pop into our Facebook page on Wednesday nights and you can get, grab a free reading from Chris uh, from Haunting Live. So, Otherwise, guys, that's about it for this weekend. Thank you very much for tuning in to our podcast this week. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube. And, of course, you can find us on all the podcast apps and listen to them at your leisure under uh, ones like Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Google, and more. So thank you guys so much. Again, a big thank you to the guest this week, Jeff Richards, from The Other Side TV show on APTN. And uh, with that, guys, have a great week, and we'll tune in next week. Thank you very much. Did you hear that? Thanks for watching. And, of course, subscribe.